for being here today. <laughs> so I am super, super excited about being here today. What is even better? Guys, sorely missed, sorely missed. We, uh, we love you guys, and we are so thankful that you're back. I hope you guys got lots of rest, but we are, we are thankful that you are back in this house. <laughs> um, so last week, we talked about um, the priesthood of the believer and the authority that we are given here on earth as believers. And so today, we are going to talk... So as Dr. Warren talked about all of those things, he began to talk about us being alignment. And so today, we are going to talk about how exactly we back into the alignment of the, with the, hold on, falling over my words, <laughs> um, how we get back in alignment with God um, and how we establish that as a daily life kind of situation. So I'm going to start with prayer and then we're going to jump right into everything. So. Father God, we thank you for this time. God, we thank you that you have given us a word that rings true as it did thousands of years ago. Father, we are grateful for your presence and we are grateful for every bit of who you are because it has led us into all truth and it has given us wisdom and desires that were not our own in the beginning. Father, I pray that today your words would be my words. God, that there would be no part of me that shines through this, but you and you alone. God, we humble ourselves before you, and we ask that you reveal truth to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, today we are going to challenge some constructs. Um, so... A construct is something that we build in order to help us function in life. Um, in this instance, we're talking about a belief. Um, for instance, um, if you grew up in church, we often say you need to pray and ask Jesus into your heart. Well, why do we say that? Is there a Bible verse that says you must pray and ask Jesus into your heart to be saved? Anybody know? No, there's no verse that says that. <laughs> But somebody had a thought and said, let's think about how we can make this easy for people to understand. So we go back to the word. And what does the word say about our heart? What does, when the word talks about the heart, what is it actually talking about? Well, we know that when the word of God speaks about the heart, it's actually talking about our mind, will, and emotions. Okay? So what is our mind, will, and emotions? It's the thing that rules us in life, right? So because our mind, will, and emotions rule us, and the Bible refers to our mind, will, and emotions as our heart, then it makes sense to say that we're going to pray and ask Jesus to come into our heart because we are asking Jesus to come into our mind, will, and emotions and to rule our life. So as we challenge constructs today, we're not tearing them completely apart. We're just asking ourselves, what am I believing that is not true? Okay? So bear with me as I um, But it'll be good in the end, I promise. <laughs> and if it's not, then you can yell at me later. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so we're going to hop right in. The first thing that we need to establish as we go into looking at being in alignment with the will of God or to be in alignment with the heart of the Father is that we have to first recognize that we absolutely need the fear of God. Okay, so first construct already being established. We're, we're starting to tear it down now. <laughs> um, if you've grown up in church, the fear of God sounds scary and hard, doesn't it? I mean, for a lot of us, we heard, you know, if you don't pray and ask God into your heart, then you will die and you will go to hell. Well, is God one that stirs up fear? No. No. Maybe in the Old Testament, there's a little fear happening because they just don't get it sometimes. <laughs> and, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I need somebody to shake me up a little and be like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> but the reality is, is the fear of God is not something big and scary. It's actually very palatable and very, very important for us as believers to recognize and to carry with us every day. Okay, so... What does the Bible say about the fear of the Lord? Well, I'm going to give you a few verses. They're not going to be up here. They're just, I could give you probably about 40 more, but I'm going to keep it at four because you guys don't want to be here all day. So Psalms 111. You practice it, have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Proverbs 1.7 says the fear Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. First Peter 2.17 says, Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. In the Old Testament, the fear of God is, comes from one word. It's Yurah. And that's probably the wrong pronunciation, even though I did the phonetics, you know, just bear with me. <laughs> um, and, it's, and it simply means to honor or have reverence for, um, for something, in this instance, God. So, in the New Testament, there is one word that they use for the fear of God, and that is phobeo. And that means, that can either mean reverence or it can also mean terror. And so today we're going to look at Luke 12, 4 and 5. And this is going to give us a good picture of both types of fear. Okay. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body. And after that, have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So I'm going to put it in very, very simple terms. The fear of God is simply the fear of him above every other fear. So we fear God more than we fear man, more than we fear virus, we fear the things of this world. Now, does that fear, does that saying that we fear God more than we fear everything else, does that mean that we don't use wisdom? No. It means that we walk in the understanding that God is greater and bigger and above all of these things, and that he absolutely can overcome anything and any obstacle that comes in our way. 
and it is God's will that we are walking out. And so whatever happens, we know that it is within his will because what does the Bible tell us? He works all things for the good of those who love him. He might be suffering the consequences of somebody else's actions, but God is going to use those consequences and he is going to work them for your good and for his glory. And so we can put our trust in God because he is the one who has always been trustworthy, right? And so putting the fear of God above all else means we are saying, God, I believe in you more than I believe in anything else. I'm going to put my faith in you and my trust in you more than anything else. So I was in high school (laughs) a long time ago, and (laughs) we won't go into how long, (laughs) but... um, I remember this one day, my mom was always the cool mom. She let me leave campus whenever I wanted. She was just awesome. You know, she, I guess she just figured she'd rather me, she'd know where I was than skip, you know. (laughs) Well, one day I called and I said, hey, can I leave? I had a math test that I didn't want to go to. And uh, I was like, if I school, then I can come back and take my test later. And I can actually know what I'm talking about because I don't today. The problem was I, I could pass a test without studying, and that was not good for me when I actually had needed to study. So I go in, and I'm, I'm like, okay, well, my mom said no, and she scares me. <laughs> she, she could easily take my whole life away. So I'm not going to actually leave school, but I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to sit in the band room during that class, because <laughs> it's an open period, so nobody will be in there. And right there, that is a picture of the fear of God. Like, not, you should not skip a class. I'm not saying that, children, listen to me now. I'm not saying that. You should not skip a class. But I feared more of my mother than I did the school system. Now, didn't you know, the school system had workarounds on that, and they called my mom and said, hey, your child wasn't in this class, and I still got in trouble. But, you know, there's there's only so much you can do as a teenager. I did not ever do that again. <laughs> um, but, you know, I've, we have trust and we have faith, and that's what brings the fear of the Lord, is that we put our faith completely that God is in control, even though he has given us authority like we talked about last week. God is still in control, and he says he will work all things for our good. And so even people authority to screw it up, he also comes in and he helps fix it all again. You know, because <laughs> God is good and he is faithful and his promises are true. Okay, so that brings us to our next point. We're going to talk about, and that is thinking on the things of God. In order to be aligned with the Spirit of God, we must first and most importantly think on the things of God. So many times in the Bible we see over and over how the, how the Bible talks about we need to have the mind of Christ. We need to put on the mind of Christ. 12 says, um, set your minds on the things above and not on the things on the earth. Why do, you think, why do you think God wants us to set our minds on the things above? Because our minds rule everything. So I have been on this weight loss journey. I have never been a small person. There was never a time in my life where I've been like, ooh, I would like to go out in a bikini. That's not a thing. <laughs> but <laughs> I have, I, I don't dislike myself. I, I actually like the way I look. I don't 
it doesn't bother me necessarily. Um, I would like my hips to not hurt as much, but that's okay. You know, like, <laughs> so at the beginning of this year, the Holy Spirit began to speak about my body. And he told me, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And right now, you're defiling my temple. And that hit hard because when God tells you something, you're like, oh man, I need to listen. I don't want to lose weight. <laughs> so, so I have tried to lose weight over the years, over the decades, like done Weight Watchers, done keto, done all the things. Tried it and it's successful. So recently, the Lord kind of brought an app into my mind, you know, like just kind of brought it to my forefront. They're like, hey, try this free trial. I was like, sure, why not? Okay. So I signed up and this app is all about the psychology behind weight loss. Now, didn't you know that I needed something to set my mind on rather than trying to fix myself? And so God began to show me through this silly little app that my mind is the thing that drives every single thing I do. You know, it seems so simple and that, you know, duh. You know, if we, even muscle memory uses your brain, you know? So, well, duh, why wouldn't I know that? But it's sometimes we have to have it said to us. Your mind rules everything you do. You can't move your arms without your mind working. If you don't have a brain, your arms don't move, right? <laughs> so when we talk about being in the alignment with the will of God, it is necessary that we set our minds on the things of Christ or on the things above One and two says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You cannot know, you cannot set your mind on the things of God not actively participated in your The way you actively participate in your relationship with God is through spiritual disciplines. Oh, I know it's so hard. Nobody wants to hear the word discipline. <laughs> but the reality is, is we have to do these things. So what are the overarching, most important spiritual disciplines? Come on, you, somebody knows them. Prayer. Yep, what else? Read your Bible. Yes. Good job, Tristan. I heard you. You got it. <laughs> um, yes, so we need to pray. We need to be reading our word. If you don't know the word of God, then you don't know God. That's a hard truth to realize, and that's one that I, growing up in the church, I thought I knew God because, you know, the church I went to was really strong in Bible verses and and things like that, I started to engage the Word of God. When I started to sit down and read for myself or listen for myself, you know, there's plenty of audio Bibles out there. When I began to pour the Word of God into myself rather than getting it from a second party, it, it changed me. And it will change you. It will get you thinking the things of God. When you wake up, before you even put your feet on the floor, say something to God. It's that simple. It doesn't have to be. It can simply be, hey, God, 
Today is going to be a good day because I am alive and I am with you. That's all you need. Because when you start the day the thing of Christ, you set your body and yourself in alignment with the will of God. So that brings us to our next and last point. <laughs> um, and that is, and this is not a fun one either, <laughs> welcome testing. God tests us. He absolutely tests us. <laughs> if you don't believe me, read the Bible. It's all over. <laughs> I mean, there's a whole book on a guy who got tested. His name's Job. It wasn't pretty, but eventually it was amazing. You know? Is God allows us to have trials, and God tests us. So what does it mean when, when we say it's not that he's going, looking around and saying, all right, I want to put you in a place where you're going to really hate your life. That's not what he wants for you. He wants to see that you are willing and able to do what he wants you to do in this world. When he tests us, he gives us the opportunity to show our faithfulness. So I'm going to read um, a passage. I'm sure most of you have heard it. If you haven't, awesome. This is one of my favorite stories. I know that sounds a little bit crazy, but trust me, it really is. So I'm going to read it from this big Bible because I can see it the best because it's really, really large. You could probably <laughs> read it. Okay, so Genesis 22.1. After these things, God tested Abraham. See, God tests people. And said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Now, Isaac was a promise. He wasn't just a son. He was a promise to Abraham that God promised to give Abraham's um, descendants, that Abraham's descendants would be as vast as the stars, that he would produce generation after generation. But this is his only son. And God is asking him to kill his only son. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be really frustrating for me. <laughs> I can't even imagine even thinking about doing that to one of my children. But just the sheer thought of God asking me to sacrifice one of my own dreams, one of the things that I feel like, I feel like he's called me to, in that, God is asking Abraham not only to kill his son, but to kill his, his legacy, his promise that God gave him. But what does Abraham say? So, okay, where was I? Sorry. Okay. So Abraham rose early in the morning. So how, Abraham's first response was, here I am, God. Here I am. His second response was to get up early and go. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. And I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering 
and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together, and Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, and he said, Here I am, son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a, for a burnt offering, my son. So they were both of them together. He knew that God was going to provide something, whether it was Isaac or it was something else. He trusted God. He knew that if God was asking him to do this thing, then it must mean good. Because you know what? If we look back on Abraham's story, he didn't always trust God. And it did not serve him well. So when he was brought to this time, he chose to serve God. He chose to say yes, even though it was probably the hardest thing that he had ever done. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Abraham's willingness, his fear of God, his willingness to set his mind on God allowed him to be in a place where he could endure a testing, where he could be faithful in the testing, and he could say yes to something that seems so outlandishly ridiculous. And because of his obedience, because of his willingness to walk, he was then able to be blessed. He was then able for that promise to be fulfilled because he walked in alignment with the will of God. So often I think that we look at testing as something that's hard and scary, and sometimes it is. I mean, to be asked that, to kill your, your kid on an altar is a little bit scary and hard, huh? <laughs> it would be for me. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is, is God is asking us to do little things every day. There's little pieces of testing every day that we often miss or we often fall short of. And the good thing is, is that God, when we fall short, he reminds us. He gives us a picture, hey, this. And then he brings it to us again. 
I can't tell you how many times God has said, Jackie, would you just listen? <laughs> you know? Can you just trust me enough? This whole um, mission to Northern Ireland, when God first spoke that to us a little over a year ago, I didn't know anybody anywhere other than in the United States. And I look back at that time, and I, I just, God spoke, you're going to go to Northern Ireland, or you're going to go to Ireland. He said Ireland. He didn't say Northern Ireland. And I just remember thinking in that moment, really? How? I know no one. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, how is that going to work? We don't know anybody. We don't have any connections there. But we said yes. Well, we didn't say no. We didn't say no. <laughs> there was a lot of prayer and a lot of talking to God about it. But then there was a yes. And then with each yes, God gave another step. And with each step, he brought a new connection or a new open door or he closed certain doors so that we wouldn't walk through them. But with each step, there was a test. You know, when our nine-year-old came to us and said, Mom, I feel like... I feel like I'm supposed to go on this mission trip to Peru. I was like, you're nine. What are you thinking? You know? And God was like, you don't tell your daughter no. Like, not when she's something for me. And so I was like, okay. So we ended up going. And that trip wasn't even for her. That trip was for me. That trip was for our family. Because that's where we made a connection to the church in Northern Ireland where we're going. You see, it is through testing that God opens doors. It's through the walking in faithful obedience to each little ask that he begins to open doors. He begins to bring blessing. He begins to do things in our lives that seem so crazy. And it's something that he's asking for you too. If we, if we fear God the most, if we set our minds if we set our minds on the things above and we allow him and we ask him to bring testing, he will do it. I so often pray for myself is um, Psalms 139, 23 and 24. It says, search me, O God, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. When we isn't standing there with a notebook saying, okay, well, here's all of the things that's wrong with you. God reveals in his timing the things that he doesn't reveal them all. He is not mean. <laughs> if he showed me everything that was wrong with me, I'd be like, okay, I quit. I can't do this. But the reality is he shows us what he wants us to work on in the season he wants us to work on it. He doesn't show you everything because you'd be overwhelmed and you'd quit. And so today, when you leave this place, ask God, search me, know me, show me what is grievous to you because I don't want to grieve the heart of the Father. I want to be in alignment with you. When we pray that prayer, over ourselves, he shows up and he shows us. He reveals the things that are keeping us and he allows us to be changed. Because don't you know that we don't change ourselves? 
We take the next step of obedience, but there's nothing that we do that changes us. It is purely by the love of God and his spirit that moves us to that closer, deeper intimacy with him. All he asks of us is that simple, obedient yes. So, I want to challenge you. Begin to pray that this week. Ask God to search you and know you. Ask him to reveal the things that he wants to shape you in. Ask him to show you the things that are hard, that you've been pushing to the side and ignoring. Because things, if you think about it right now, you can think of a few things that God has asked you to fix or has asked you to start praying about for him to fix. And you've just kind of pushed it to the side. But the reality is, is he wants to change those things today. He wants to shape you. He wants to draw you into his will so that you can be the most effective person that he wants you to be here on earth. So that when you see him face to face, you can say that he'll say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. There will be people at the cross when you're ready. The band can come up. Sorry, I did not give you the cue. My bad. <laughs> but there will be people at the cross, crosses who want to pray with you. If there is something you're struggling with, if there's something that's incredibly hard that you don't feel like you can even tackle, bind yourself together with the body of Christ because there are people here who want to pray over you diligently. There is no greater tool in our arsenal than prayer. There is nothing that changes us more than prayer. So today, if you need prayer, there are people over on either side. Um, if you're online, there will, there's a, you can text 97,000, um, fathom to 97,000, and it'll prompt you to put in a prayer request. There are people who want to pray over you, who want to pray for you. I'm one of them. I will pray for you all day long. Father God, we love you. Father, we, we thank you that you don't leave us the same. God, that you don't allow us to remain in our own filth, but God, that you move us to better. Lord, I pray that you would shape our hearts this week. God, give us an opportunity to love you deeper, to know you more. God, we long for more of you. We long to be in alignment with you. Father, we love you and we worship you in Jesus' name.